When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin, back on the mainland. With me through the Zoomage is my brother Travis. Just got back from Hawaii yesterday, dude. Yeah, dude, you're looking... Feeling um, relaxed. You're looking... Well... You're not looking tanned, but you are looking sunburned. <laughs> but that's going to turn into a nice golden it, brown tan. It's, it's going to be nice, too. Because, Q, as you know, you and I have um, some Native American blood in us. Yeah, we do. But I think it's like at 116. It might even be smaller than that. It, but yeah. that's what I point to when I tan very easily. I'm like, thanks, great, great, great grandparents. That's just a benefit of our lineage. Yes, sir. That, um, we tan easily, although I don't go outside enough to tan, but when I do... Well, up here in Washington, dude, even when it's sunny out, you can hang out all day. I mean, sure, put some sunscreen on, but you can hang out all day and you're not going to get yeah burnt. But down in Hawaii, dude, like you're out there for 10 minutes and you're burnt to a crisp. And you're done. Even with yeah. sunscreen. Yeah, dude. Well, you know, down here in Texas, Q, if you remember, depending on the time of year, if you take a walk outside... And come back 20 minutes, you might get a little sunburn. And you're going to be drenched in sweat, dude. Yes. Yes. And it's it's about that. It's getting that time of the year. By the end of the week, it's going to be in the 90s. But we're about to turn it all around right now, dude. <laughs> there are some episodes that I go into that I am like almost more excited about just sharing the music with you than like anything else. You know what I mean? Because, you know, hey, a lot of times we'll do albums where you and I are very knowledgeable and intimate with whatever we're talking about so Spoon, we're all in the same fleet foxes yeah. interpol yeah yeah but um i know that you that you know the walkman everybody knows the walkman but love the walkman but i don't think that i dove as deep into them as you did back in the day yeah for one because i know like you owned like physical cds of theirs right yeah i owned bows and arrows Actually, I think that was it. I, I grabbed the one that had the rat on it and the song that, that uh, actually, no, I was going to say the song that played us in, but that was not on Bows and Arrows. That was on their first one. But yeah, I was a big fan, but I actually got uh, probably heavier into them like within the last two years. I went back and listened to a good portion of their discography and like, yeah, so that's what we're doing today is like, we're going to bounce around. Basically, we're going to do 
uh, you know, a couple of tracks from their early stuff and then a couple of tracks from their, we're going to sandwich it, their first and second record and then their last two records, a song from each. And, and then we're also going to play, we're going to play the audio from their live performance of The Rat on David Letterman because it's one of the greatest performances ever. So The Walkman, this is our second episode in uh the i guess early 2000s indie garage rock uh vein right yeah. we started with french kicks last week which side note dude i want to give a shout out to our guest producer that has produced a few of the last episodes when i had my family in town a couple weeks back and i was in hawaii shout out to you brother you talking about me <laughs> i'm talking about you uh usually i'm the one that pieces the episodes together i wasn't prepared for this <laughs> uh well that's because you know i don't lift a finger dude i don't lift a finger around here yeah i know i think everyone knows that by now dude uh it used to be a back and forth i'll piece together an episode one week you'll do the next but yeah we noticed that like they would be different because we're two different people mm-hmm. and we you know we, we producing we skills are a bit different yeah yeah so for to remain consistent you know, once we got picked up by the network, we're like, let's just, you know, I'll do this. You do nothing. You just sit back and do your coding, <laughs> you know, because your your work's just, you know, so important. You know, I'm a busy guy, you know. That's what I hear. <laughs> That's what I like to That's say. Your, <laughs> it's your excuse for everything. I'm a busy guy. Uh, but yeah, dude. Yeah, you, d- you did good, man. Thank you. You did good. If you have a keen ear, you'll be able to, to tell that it's, that it's uh, you know, it's slightly different. I'll make edits that you may not have made or leave things in that you probably would have cut out, stuff like that. Dude, let me tell you something, and this is a tangent, but it's a whole other fucking world. When I'm listening to an episode that I have no idea what the end product is. Yeah. Uh, and it's, that's, dude, dude, that's every week for me. I'm biting fingernails, dude. I'm like, am I going to sound like a, is he going to leave something in where I sound like a real dum-dum? No, dude, I'm not going to treat you because, like that. <laughs> because for those of you who don't know, we sound like dum dums every week, but uh, we I I cut out a lot of uh, tomfoolery. Yeah, this is not uh, live, obviously. Right, this is far um, from it. Yeah, and it helps that we're you know several thousand miles uh, away from each other because we've got our vocals nice and isolated. So it it helps us uh, produce polished, uh, you know, turds. Just pol- yeah, okay, polished, polished. It turds. starts as a turd every week. It starts as a turd. And then it turns into like the turd emoji, where it's it's still a turd, but it's smiling back at you. At least it's smiling. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, all right, so so we're gonna cross off another band from our definitive bands that we have to cover list, which we started way back when in 2018 when we started the pod. I know the Walkman's on that list. Yeah, I believe Bows and Arrows is on that list as an album that we wanted to talk about. Yeah. So were they? Did they uh, originate in New York like all the other boys did from around the 2000s? They did. <laughs> okay. Yes, they did. They they formed in New York. Um, but they have an interesting backstory. So like these guys in, in, in two separate ways, I guess, have been playing with each other since like middle school. In other words, like – and the reason I say in two, two different ways is that um, two of the band members, the lead singer, Hamilton – Late Hauser and uh, Pete. Doesn't he go by the Big Porter? Hamilton, the Big Porter. <laughs> um, not that I've read. <laughs> okay. 
But um, yeah, Hamilton Lighthizer and Peter Bauer, the bassist slash organ player, uh, were in a band together since ninth grade. They've been they've been playing music together since ninth grade, and then the other three guys uh, had been in a band together since seventh grade. That's pretty cool, actually. Which is crazy, right? And those three guys, and um, Hamilton and Pete, were in separate bands before they did Walkman together. So, like, it's kind of interesting because both bands were trying to do the same thing, the garage rock thing, right? Um, and they were both in New York at the same time, like, separately? I, I want to say that that Boston is is involved somehow. I, I, I want to say that James... So James, not James. Oh, actually, that's his real name. Shit. Hamilton, his name is his birth name is James Q, but he goes by Hamilton. Hamilton was born in D.C. I want to say that he, yeah, okay. So he was in a band with Peter called The Recoys, and they formed in 1996 from in Boston. The other three guys, and let me let me name uh, name them: Paul Maroon. Matt Barrick and Walter Martin. So Walter is organs, keyboards. Paul is another guitar player. And uh, Matt Barrick is the amazing, phenomenal drummer uh, that we'll talk about in creative yeah, detail. Lo- he's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. So it's cool that they have all, had all played together. Yeah. You know, and parts of them have played together in other bands. Like, talk about, like, when they all came together, That it's cool that, you know, a few of them are familiar with their with each other's styles and then the other part of them they're familiar with their styles so they come together i mean they must have been just crushing it from the beginning man yeah well that's the interesting thing so we're gonna play a song from each of their bands nice because you're gonna be able to hear how how the pieces are there right but in you know so you can kind of kind of really see how these two bands when they when they come together become the walkman right so the band that um, the other three guys were in, they were called Jonathan Fire Eater, and they had actually had some success. They got signed to a, a you know a pretty big record label. It was like a part of the DreamWorks umbrella or something like that. And they were like DreamWorks, dude. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, I, th- I thought they only did animated uh, CGI movies. You would be wrong, Q. It's a it, yeah, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like it's a record label. David Geffen's nascent DreamWorks music label. Oh, Geffen's, dude. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, all under the same umbrella. Kind of thing. So they were, you know, they put out a, a, a like an EP and then they signed and put out a full-length album and then they dissolved. And, you know, the Records, uh, Hamilton's band, didn't have the same kind of success. And you'll hear that. Like, they definitely sound very different, but they didn't get much success with the, with the release and, like, they had tensions with the band and stuff like that. And so, you know, the two bands came together, yeah. uh, you know, out of the ashes. It's one of those timing things too, where like the recourse fizzled out and Jonathan Fire Eater fizzled out at the same time. And so in 2000, that's when the two bands were able to, to form. So let's jump right into the, those two clips here. Cause basically what you're going to hear is a, you're going to hear Hamilton and his, and his badass voice on the recourse, but the, the backing band is just not that impressive. It, dude. What it tells me is like, dude, a drummer is so fucking important. You know what I mean? Hey, man, you're preaching to the choir. When you have a shitty drummer, 
it brings the whole band down, dude. Drummer's the backbone of the band. Yeah. Plain and simple. No joke, dude. But anyway, um, so yeah, let's just jump right into this here. So again, this is um, Hamilton, which is the lead singer of the Walkman on vocals, guitar, and then Peter Bauer on guitar. That's the only two members that are, I guess are relevant because those are the, the two members that go on to form the Walkman. But um, anyway, what's interesting, actually, you know what? There is something a little bit more interesting. How many times can I say interesting? <laughs> Another guy, Hugh McIntosh, the drummer of the Recoys, actually went on went on to be the drummer for the French Kicks. Isn't that crazy? Coming around full circle. Yeah. But they he wasn't the drummer on the record we covered last week, so we're not completely full circle. But anyway, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting connections that I'll talk about um throughout the episode. But anyway, so let's play a song here. This is the first track off of the Recoys. Uh, self-titled record called Recoys. This song is called Song of the Paper Dolls. Well, there was always really just such a friend of mine I loved it, man. It's a cool song. Don't get me wrong. But I was actually kind of taken aback by how much his voice and his singing style reminds me of uh, the lead singer for that band Ice Age. Remember them? No. I brought them to the table as a sidetrack. Okay. Well, are they a relatively new band? Uh, their first album came out, I believe, in, in uh, oh, in 20... Hang on. Stupid. Stupid Spotify. Why wouldn't you put this in order? Uh, they've been around since like the 2010s. Okay. Um, but very similar style. Not so much Walkman style, but but that style. Yeah. Well, like here's the thing about Hamilton as a lead singer. Like throughout this episode too, because I bounce around quite a bit from like his his career, right? Because like by the time they put out um, this last record, the last song that we play by them today they'll have been a band for like 10 years as the Walkman. Yeah. So like you're going to get to hear like a pretty full range of like his spectrum, right? Like I, I'm a big fan of that style of singing. Well, he, I don't know how he, much he's changed. He sort of but... has like, like you, you can pull different singers, you know, out of his vocals, like depending on the song and the style that he's going for. Like to maybe me, like some Mick Jagger a little bit. I mean, I, that's the thing. I feel like, I feel like his voice is like an amalgamation of, all the greatest rock singers of all time. And you'll hear later, like there are moments where he sounds kind of like Rod Stewart sometimes. And he gets compared, interestingly enough, I never heard this, but people compared him to Bono from U2. 
Oh. From a very specific era, era, like war era YouTube. Okay, I can see that. And you'll hear it. You'll hear it. But anyway, like I said, he he just has all he he has this amazing voice, right? And you heard it here, and that was really the only thing that really stands out, right? Because the drumming was boring, nothing special. Yeah, they they probably would have. I mean, they did fizzle out, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. Nothing, nothing great would have come out of that band. Nothing would have happened with them, yeah. yeah. The band that was supposed to catch on was Jonathan Fire Eater, which was the other three guys. So um, what you're going to hear, I think you'll agree with me, Q. Um, this song sounds like early Spoon, as in like, Ooh. as in, um, what is it, Telefono and, mm-hmm. and the other EP <laughs> that came out. And, and series of sneaks and stuff like that, like early uh, spoon, big time. Cool. It, even the even the the the, the phrase that he kind of repeats, cherry red. Just you can almost hear Brit Daniel yeah. singing this phrase. But anyway, let's let's listen to this. So this is a uh, this is the the other band uh, with three guys that, that went on to form the Walkman. And yeah, this 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 band is called Jonathan Fire Eater. This is off their first EP, and this is the first the first track off of that album, and it's called the Search for Cherry Red. Great song, I can see see how like like they just they need to just come together and like and it's gonna be killer. Well that's the thing, like talk about foreshadowing, am I right? Compared the Jonathan Fire Eater band, the backing band, right? Compared to the recourse, because that's the key part of the Jonathan Fire Eater puzzle that comes together and, and joins forces with with uh Hamilton and and the other guy, the other guitar player. I feel like that guy had similar singing style. Yeah, a, a similar singing style to Hamilton. Not as compelling and not as like powerful. Well, let me just give another shout out to Ice Age because if you liked those two bands, you will love Ice Age. My favorite album of theirs is from 2018. It's called Beyondless. Check them out, and they are going to make an appearance on one of our uh, 2021 end of the year list because okay. they just dropped an album called seek shelter that's great anyways if you like this style of music check out ice age you'll love them well it's worth noting that the records and jonathan fire Eater, this stuff came out in the 90s the late 90s so like 
you know. That's kind of that same like shock, you know, and and surprise when when like you said, when you first listen to Telefono and you're like, yeah. wait a second, when did this come out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, garage rock, right? That's what that sound is. Yeah. And so when they formed, when you know these two bands dissolved and they joined as the Walkmen, right? Oh, dude, one more thing I wanted to say, just because, you know, if you were a fan of Spoon in the late '90s and you were hanging around Austin, you may have seen this band called This Microwave World. Dude, I forgot about them. I love those. Guys. Opened for them. They well, that reminded me of uh, that Jonathan Fire Eater. Kind of reminded me of their mm, their yeah, sound. Dude. That was they had a good song. Um, God, what was it? The Party Line. Party Let's play line. it as the outro, dude. Yeah, dude. Um, that's fine. I don't have anything planned for the outro. Um. So yeah, they when when they formed as a Walkman, they didn't want to do the garage rock sound, and they they have certainly put their spin on it. And you'll you'll you know they they still get called a garage rock, yeah. But um, they do this thing where they use and are dedicated to using vintage equipment, and you hear it in the sound, especially from the piano player that he uses like a like a fifty year old hundred year old piano. Cool. I don't remember which one it was, but he, like he uses this old piano. So like they had these rules, these unspoken rules that they lived by. Rule number one: all equipment must be vintage. Rule number two: however valuable the instrument, it should be carried in a cheap, flimsy bag. Dude. Rule number three: no guitar stands because an antique Fender looks much cooler propped against a speaker. That's amazing. I love it. I don't know if these are actual rules that they live by are these rules like handwritten and framed somewhere i don't know i just i saw it in an interview thing but um anyway maybe like scrawled on a napkin (laughs) they were unspoken though q oh these weren't written these were unspoken policy so these are just things that okay number one rule number one certainly was lived by is no you know all equipment must be vintage so like well i think my favorite rule is number two yeah cheap bag (laughs) that's just the you know Part of like the the thrift thrift store kind of look that a lot of these bands had, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, so like the guitar player had a '59 Rickenbacker 360 Capri, which was uh, made famous by John Lennon at the peak of Beatlemania, stuff like that. So in other words, even if it's a valuable vintage guitar, like don't preserve it, like bang it up even more. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome, dude. Let's let's play some tunes, man. I'm ready for some Walkman. All right. So you heard the records. You heard Jonathan Fire Eater. This is what happens when the important elements from those bands come together. Dude, I can't tell you how excited I am right now, man. Dude, get ready. <laughs> you know I like to paint pictures, dude. Well, we're about yeah, to. You're really, you're you're getting better at it. I've always been good. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So let's listen to. We're gonna jump to their very first record. This album is called Everyone Who Pretended to Like Me is gone came out in 2002 and we're going to listen to a song called wake up
it's the simplicity of it that makes it so powerful, man. Yeah, and that's that's part of what they were were going for, and that's why they they used vintage equipment. That's why they uh, they followed like even you know the way that they in the studio, you know, they would use like a low tech recording process. Like basically, the way they described it is like they just pointed a microphone at an instrument. That's what he said. And like, um, that's awesome, you know, man. He said that it gives it like a. This is um, I don't remember who who this. I think it's Paul, the the guitar player. He said, you know, it gives it like a spacious underwater feel. Um, that especially in the first album, you hear it. So like this this stuff that we're hearing right now is is where you, where you're gonna hear that. And I love the way that like the low end, like the bass, yeah, comes in on that one. Well, you can hear that piano front and center. And it sounds like maybe a fifty to a hundred year old piano, dude. Not sure which one, but yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I, uh, I could look it up. But uh, they use an old piano. It's old. That's all I got now. You can tell, and you can tell the way that it's recorded. Yeah, like they they stuck a mic up to the piano. Yeah, for sure. And like uh, you know, they even said that there's even a quote from from one of the guys that said like, "We do things better when we do it quick." So that's kind of playing back to what the French kick said last. They didn't say it last week. They said it years ago, but I was talking about last week with like, let's not be concerned about obsessing. That was one of the things that yeah. the Walkman guys said that because they, they all know each other so well, it would take them forever to do things because they would, you know, nitpick each other over every little thing, you know, which probably happens with every band. Right. Cause you're like, it's a, like a family, you know what I mean? It's like a five-way marriage you know what i mean yeah and you're rehearsing these songs you know like during band rehearsals you're just yeah practicing these songs over and over so by the time you get into the studio yeah dude you're gonna be like no we did this a little bit differently last week when we were (laughs) practicing yeah but yeah that's that's cool so what's interesting about this record is that like the way that they recorded it basically when they formed three of the members the guys from jonathan fire eater borrowed money from like friends and family to construct a rehearsal space for the band. And then they tacked onto it a 24-track recording studio that they would record other bands in too. But it gave them a... Basically, the way they said it is like we would be rehearsing in the space and then we could just turn around and, and hit record and start like playing around with the song. You know what I mean? Cool. So a lot of this stuff came out of, of, of those like sessions and whatnot. So that's kind of cool. But anyway, um, one more thing about this record before we move to the next one. I just wanted to talk about the song that played us in. We've been had. Uh, you may, if if your if your memory goes back far enough, you may recall that song from a Saturn Ion commercial. Oh yeah, I remember it, dude. They're like Me driving too. through like a suburbia, right? Yeah, it was a it was a Saturn Ion commercial. So basically, they said that they needed the money <laughs> for the car ad. So you know, how many times have we have we as as music fans accused? our favorite bands of selling out. Sometimes they just need the money. Yeah, man. And they use the money to pay for the next record, which is what we're about to talk about, Bows and Arrows. So anyway, we even had as one of my favorites. I love the way that song, it, the reason I chose it as the intro for this episode is because it, the way that it kind of just smoothly kind of fades in with that piano and stuff is just fucking amazing. No, it's a perfect song for a commercial. I mean, no wonder they did it. And between uh, We've Been Had and Everyone Who Pretended to like me is gone yeah yeah you pick up on that style that he was doing at least around that time where like i don't know he kind of like fluctuates in tone with each word yeah it's great i fucking love it which and if you don't if you don't do it right like it's gonna sound silly yeah it's gonna it's gonna and you have to have uh you know a a good band backing you up to have the confidence to sing like that really 
That's why when you hear him singing with the recourse, it doesn't have the impact. Now, I will say that I think the songs are the songs are structured and written better as the Walkman. Um, but I'm just saying, you really do need a good backing band. Obviously, yeah, it goes without saying. But I'm just saying, like a great singer is nothing without great musicians to back him up, right? Totally, that's like the perfect showcase of that. Um, all right. So anyway, uh, we're going to talk about the next record here, Q. Bows and Arrows. Now, this is the one I'm most familiar with. Yeah, this is the one that put them on the map. Um, it was featured, they had Little House of Savages and The Rat were featured on the the TV series, The OC. And they were actually featured in the show as a band in the background of a scene. Oh, cool. Performing Little House of Savages. Uh, anyway, so this is kind of the record that put them on the map. The funny thing is like, I didn't watch the OC when it came out, but it sure seems like a lot of the bands I liked were featured on the OC. Cause remember, obviously Phantom Planet's the theme song, but like, I want to say we've talked about other bands featured on the OC. Anyway, that was obviously whoever, whoever wrote or picked the music for the OC was listening to the same stuff that we were listening to. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, or they just made a point to, to feature like indie bands, you know? But anyway, so we're going to play The Rat in a second, and we're going to watch the, the video of them performing it on David Letterman. But let's listen to another track first, because The Rat is, the, that's the climax, dude. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And man. then we're just going to walk it down from there. So, um, all right, we're going to do a track here. So again, we're jumping to Bows and Arrows. Bows and Arrows came out in 2004. Again, this is kind of the, 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 the album that put them on the map, and... Um, you know, most people are familiar, became familiar with him because of this record, including myself. All right. So this song is called My Old Man. to state the obvious dude casablancas yeah man <laughs> who who did it first um it's hard to say i was about to say this i was gonna say the same thing but like i was gonna i was gonna go in the direction of like isn't it weird that like it's almost like there's something 
in the water in New York. You know what I mean? Yeah. At this and time. He also had a slight distortion on the recording of the vocals, just like the strokes. Yeah, but that's probably like and the strokes did this too, like with the, the, the recording process to make it sound vintage, you know what I mean? And make it sound older. The main like similarity is and the guitar too. Let's say yeah. the guitar and the drums too. I mean, it all kind of this. This could totally be a stroke song. Totally. totally. But yeah, between like Hamilton and Julian is really like it's that lazy vocal delivery. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it works so well with this with this style of garage rock. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I was gonna say the same thing, and that's what I was talking about. Like his vocals, like he does so many things with his vocals, right? Um, and sometimes you'll hear Bono from U2, and sometimes you'll hear some Casablancas. Um, by by that time, two thousand four, obviously the Strokes have have made it by then. Um, so could he have been influenced by Julian a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? But here's what here's where Hamilton excels, and Julian never reached this height. We're going to talk about the Rat Cue. Mm. We're going to play this clip, and what I would encourage you to do. If you're at home and you're able to pull up a video, go to YouTube. Do not click on the Conan O'Brien performance because it is not as good. They killed it on the Letterman performance. So that's what we're going to play. Dude, this is like top 10 uh, performances for me. Me too. I will never forget this performance. I I go back to this. I've gone back to it several times throughout the last decade plus. It's incredible. I haven't seen this in, in I watched it yesterday, a dude. A long time, it, it, dude. It fucking it shook me, dude. It shook me. All right. So like I said, um, follow along at home. Go to YouTube and search for Letterman, the Walkman, the Rat, if you want to type it all out. Find the performance. He's in a black shirt. And I would say watch along with us here. I'm gonna play the audio. We're gonna watch the whole video, you and me, Q. Okay. We'll fade the audio out a little bit before just so we don't have, you know, CBS knocking on our door or whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah, watch the whole performance at home if you're able to. Don't pull up YouTube while you're driving. That's all I'm saying. But if you're in front of a computer, look it up. It'll change your life just like it did mine. I don't know if we saw this live on the on the TV. It's possible. It's very possible, man. We were watching a lot of late night back then. We preferred Conan over Letterman, that's for sure. Yeah. But anyway... All right, here we go. Um, we are about to nerd out and watch this video all the way through. This is the Walkman on Letterman playing the rat. Yeah. 
shook. shook I was going to say, dude, I'm shook. Okay. Dude, imagine being in the audience and not knowing anything about the Walkman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you you showed up to, to, to see, um, I don't know, Ben Affleck or something, whoever the, whoever the guest was. You showed up to see, uh, man, what's the name? Paul? What's the name of the piano player of the house? Oh, Paul Schaefer. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. You show up to see Schaefer and then you're freaking jaws on the floor after yeah. that performance, the, man. The thing that gets me, even when you listen to the actual recording from the album too, it's when he screams beating on the wall. Yeah. It just like... Especially when you see him yelling it into the microphone. It's just so powerful. Dude, and the way he holds the mic is dope. Everything about Dude, it. And like every single member of the band is worth watching too. And that's yeah. what like really makes the performance memorable. The guitar player is doing something really cool with the, with the – he's got this effect. Dude, the bass player, like the way he kind of just like slowly like, I don't know, bobbles his head back and forth kind of just like yeah. swaying back and forth is just really – I mean, just so memorable, dude. Things that we have all been missing the last year because of uh, live performances, you know, not being there for us. But yeah, something about the performance, the drummer, obviously, come on. Yeah, that's a damn near impossible uh, beat to keep going for, for, you know, three and a half minutes live like that. Yeah, you know, it's funny, like one of the top comments is, I bet right after this song became a popular single, the drummer realized he was going to be sore for the rest of his life. Because <laughs> think about it. They have to play that every every show that they did. I, yeah, They're that's, that's that. a workout, man. <laughs> yeah, he's insane. But um, anyway, yeah, it's just like you said, it's one of the most memorable performances that I've ever seen on a late night show. Or, or at least from, from, you know, Letterman. Hello. Letterman's been on forever. He's had countless amazing acts mega stars but as far as from that era i feel like this is just a standout song and this was number 20 i should say this song was number 20 on pitchfork's 200 greatest songs from that decade so number nice. 20 that's a pretty big deal that's pretty big. anyway dude and that like this is a perfect example of of like i mean just how exciting it must have been and you know we can remember this uh be, you know being a, a, a fan of rock in the early 2000s yeah, because it was this is this was what happened after grunge kind of thing, right? This was the next the, the big wave of of what became kind of popular, and it's cool that it, you can see all their vintage equipment. Like I was saying, that's just another hollow body guitar. He he always exclusively played like hollow body guitars and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the reasons I wanted to split this up into their first two records and then their last two records is that now you're going to see a big shift. Um. So. And I haven't listened to any of this stuff, dude. Okay. I'm only familiar Great. with those two. Great. Let's take a quick break. We have either two or three songs left. I'm saying two or three because it depends on if you want to hear three more songs. Because there's two. I, I went back and forth on this next record. So if we have time, we'll do two more songs. But um, three more songs. Anyway, um... Let me just read a couple of quotes here. Here's a quote from NPR's Song of the Day. So they were the Song of the Day on June 2006. The song, by the way, I'm not playing the song that was the Song of the Day. If you're curious, it was Another One Goes By off of their record, A Hundred Miles Off. That's a record that we're going to skip over. But anyway, they were the Song of the Day on NPR. Uh, and the person who wrote up the article, she said, um, The Walkman's members create an airy, room-filling guitar-driven racket when needed 
but they also craft ballads with loving attention to detail, sprinkling in delicate bells and wintry piano. And his vocals float above the din, ranging from bruised and beaten to raging and intense, giving the Walkman a tone of introspection not often found in the work of their peers. Um, and that's the thing. Like, the Walkman transcended the garage rock sound, and you'll hear that in some of the next stuff that they did. Because they started... This was talking about 100 miles off. They started to create more like lush, really open sounding ballads and stuff like that. Yes. Okay. You know what? I think I am familiar with one of those ballads, but yeah, okay. I'm intrigued. Well, now we're going to skip ahead though. We're going to we're going to skip ahead. Um, and that's the thing, like, um, you know, they, they, they are constantly writing songs, constantly honing their, their craft and stuff. Basically they say whenever they're done with a, re- a record, they've usually got another one, another song already ready, you know, ready to go for the next record. Like they're always writing songs. They're always like improving and, and, and getting better. And so like th- there's even a quote, I don't know if I had it written down, but they were talking about how, you know, when you're younger, you, you tend to sing about angrier things and then you sort of mellow out. And that's kind of reflected in their, their records here. But yeah, um, we're going to skip ahead to Lisbon came out in 2010. So now there's there's a six year difference between Bows and Arrows and then Lisbon, and I'm gonna play two tracks, Q, if you'll permit it. Of course, brother. It's just a music heavy album here or music heavy episode. I'm all about those, dude. I'm gonna play a song called "Woe Is Me." gym dude between the singles yeah dude i love that song what a great song man yeah but that's a that's a that's a matured mellowed out walkman cue yeah man especially coming off the rat uh which is like probably their most aggressive song which isn't surprising because like it's one of the most aggressive songs from that era um dude i mean he's beaten on the wall dude you know yeah he's pissed about something <laughs> by the pissed. way the funny thing is about that story is like about the the drum beat 
they were just fucking around and he was just fucking around the drum beat and then they they're like let's craft a song around that drum beat because that's insane and so they did so like if it wasn't for the drummer just screwing around and like being like what's the what's the craziest drum beat i can come up with and that was it and then they wrote a song about it so i think they the lyrics and everything is all matched to the intensity of that drum beat which is cool yeah dude but anyway um but yeah what was me like it's it's a great great song and it's a it's a when they got to this era the last two records they started writing these songs that just felt like timeless when you listen to these songs they just they feel like they could come out of anywhere yeah i was thinking that when i was hearing it like it yeah it sounds almost like uh from the, i don't know 60s I, you know i always default to 60s but it's it's that yeah, 60s, 50s, 60s style 60s. guitar yeah and that's part of you know what they worked toward with you know that's why they used vintage instruments they they, they pulled influences from like Roy orbinson and like cash dylan dude and you know what man i feel like that's like kind of a defining characteristic of early 2000s garage rock it all had that retro yeah sound you know but it was always it always had some like some aggressiveness to it some like yeah distortion and stuff like that or some yeah. punk it was like that kind of with punks type stuff right there's a quote here from paul maroon which is the guitar player and he plays the the, the old piano he says we're sort of stuck in a time warp i don't think we use anything that we couldn't have used 40 years ago we could be from any era of rock and roll. And he's like spot on, right? For sure. But anyway, um, so this next song, this is why I, I was torn. I, I probably rearranged these songs and picked five or ten, you know, between ten different songs I was trying to play. I was obsessing over what songs to play for you guys. But I really wanted to play this other one. So we're going to. Because this is an example of the Cash influence, the Johnny Cash influence. Ooh. Specifically, uh, Cash's backing band is what, is what um, everybody is kind of pointing to. They were called the Tennessee Three, and uh, you're going to hear th- this song is going to have a like kind of a classic country sound to it from the from the backing guys, and um, it's it's great. So we're going to listen to this song here called "Blue as Your Blood." Again, this is off of Walkman's album Lisbon.
Man, I love their mellowed out progression and and style. Yeah. Do they still have moments of of you know, like anywhere near the rat? No. The rat is unmatched, dude. Um and again, that was their second record and Yeah. Trust me, I looked cuz I tried to find another example of the rat, but like you know, that was Climax, man. Like you said, they're, they're not writing songs like that anymore. Yeah. As far as like, yeah, that's the I peak. mean, the things that they're, it's just the peak as far as like, you know, if that's, if you want to see the Walkman do the screaming and the fast paced stuff. But I think the songs that they craft later, like the last two songs we played are just more sophisticated and like more like, you know, more timeless and more, like I said, they elevated the garage rock sound in my opinion. Like they just became the Walkman, right? There's like, there, right. He, he has such a defining voice and the, and the guys behind them, like they're just really like top notch. You know what I mean? Dude. Yeah. They like, uh, you know, uh, this is, there's no, like, this is no surprise to people that listen to no filler. I love, uh, I love simplicity and I love repetition Yeah, in, in music and they do it so well, dude. Yeah. Um, and, and not, not um in a way that's like lazy or whatever no it's it's very effective because like they do a little bit of layer building you know oh and i'm all dude that's number three for me dude simplicity repetition and layers dude that's my jam yeah give me that all day long so you may have heard like some things some 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 strings and stuff in the background that's one thing that changed on this record they brought in a whole bunch of additional musicians so on this record, Lisbon, you're going to hear trumpets, cellos, trombones, violins, and that like it had kind of like a galloping kind of like you, that's that's that yeah, Johnny that's, Cash. That's the Johnny uh, Cash thing, yeah. What was the name of that band? The the, the Tennessee Three. The Tennessee Three, yeah. That that galloping like horseshoe style, yeah, marching kind of beat. Yeah, and, this, and the title "Blue as Your Blood" and like what he's singing about is is um I guess just a heartache and stuff like that, classic love song type stuff. Sure, sure. Heartache, um, but yeah. Um, and you know, I don't know if you heard this, but I certainly did. He gets compared to Dylan a lot. And I think I heard some of that. Um, I've been listening to nothing but the Walkman for the last three days. So like there's songs where he, he sounds just like Dylan. Cool. It's not like it's just like Dylan, but I, I feel like this song that I just played is sort of like that. Um, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Anyway, uh, we got one more song. Yeah. NPR world cafe called him a frustrated Bob Dylan. <laughs> His voice sometimes sounds like a frustrated Bob Dylan, uh, whatever that means. But anyway, yeah, we got we got one more song here. Um, this is their last record, right? So I don't think they meant for it to be their last record. Actually, that's exactly what he said. So I'm going to quote Lighthouser here. He says, it wasn't made to be the final Walkman record, and who knows if it will be. Um, it, it still is. So at least he's dangling that carrot, though, for fans that they, they might come back together. Says, but by the time we finished it, a lot of kids had been born, and a lot of people had been had moved all over the country. So I do remember that when we called it heaven and decided to put pictures of our families on it, it felt like let's show who we are now and give an honest representation of our lives, and that we had come pretty far. Nice. So they they ended well, right? Um, they like he said, lots of kids had been born between then and the and Lisbon and um you know some of the songs are about family and stuff like that so again like this is you know if you want to hear more of the rat you're not going to get it it's a different 
five dudes people people grow you know what i mean and you know we always talk about that as fans so like sometimes we're just like can you just give me more of that one song that i really like <laughs> and we're like yeah. why don't you sound the same that you did 10 years ago well it's like because it's a totally different person dude that, that reminds me of that great quote from i think it was the lead singer from falls Oh yeah, like it's like it's like looking at a at a photograph of someone from ten years ago and asking why their haircut's different now. Yeah, like why do you look so different? <laughs> why do you than look so you different in high school when I last saw you? Why have you aged so much in ten years? It's called time, <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's, it's the same thing. Yeah. So anyway, um, I've got a I've got a great song to end this here, Q. Um, and again, think timeless ballad. This this rock song could be written at any time, dude. It's timeless. This song is called Song for Lee. that's a great like ending to to the walkman dude that's that sound yeah that sound yeah exactly and what he's singing about too he's no longer singing well at least in this song he's not singing about heartache or anything like that you know he's singing about singing to his girl yeah patience will keep you alive you know and it's that idea of like i mean i just like these lyrics rock to the rock roll to the roll (laughs) that's just what life's all about dude He's like, hey, man, my gun still shoots. My bird still sings. He's just, you know, content, you know? I love it. Um, and that's that's what, uh, you know, that's what happens. With, hopefully, that's what happens when you get older, you know? I hope so, man. That's that's all you can ask for, really. Find someone to love. Settle down. Maybe have some kids. Maybe not. But, uh, yeah. I just love, I love that song. It's, be- it's a beautiful song. Yeah, man. And like I said, it could have came out 50 years ago. Really, it could have. They're using nothing but vintage equipment that they that they could have used, like 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 I said, forty years ago, fifty years ago. So anyway, 
Uh, great tunes, dude. Really good stuff. Yeah. Go back and listen to... I'd say go back and listen to Lisbon and Heaven, their last two records. I'm definitely going to, man. I haven't heard any of this stuff, so... They're great. Um, but yeah, I got a few I got a few more fun facts for you here, Q. As I promised in the beginning, there's some fun connections that happen, mostly around Fleet Foxes. Uh, oh. I saw the name Fleet Foxes jump out at me quite a bit. After Walkman disbanded, if you will, the crazy amazing drummer joined the Fleet Foxes as a touring session drummer. Really? Now, that would be something if he was buying the kit when I saw them a few years back, because that is by the time that Misty, Father John Misty, whatever his name is, was no longer the drummer. So, like, it could have been, maybe. Dude. I don't remember who was buying the kit. And then here's another fun fact, Q. It's going to blow your mind. Um, so, Hamilton, the lead singer, he's done some solo work, basically. Ever since After Heaven, basically, the Walkman disbanded, he starts putting out solo work. He put out work um, last year, or maybe it was earlier this year. Maybe maybe both. I, I think he's been putting out some new records. Anyway, he recorded it mostly at home, right? Mm-hmm. And so, as he put it, uh, working entirely from home meant... Oh, well, this is the person who wrote the article. Working entirely from home meant that Lighthouser had to be creative when he couldn't quite fulfill all the roles himself. This, in turn, led to a musical baptism for his two daughters, who sing on the record and have since to, to go on to feature on the new Fleet Foxes album. Oh my god, dude. I knew I knew it was coming. I knew it, because you said recorded at home yeah. last year, tied to Fleet Foxes. That's amazing, dude. And I uh, looked it up. So, you know, we actually talked about this record. You can go back and listen to our episode on it. It's Fleet Foxes' uh, record that came out, was it this year or last year? Time is a fucking, it's all the same. So I came out last year. It's called Shore. So yeah, if you want to hear Hamilton Lighthouser's two girls, Georgiana and Frederica, on the new Fleet Foxes record, listen to track one or track nine, which is amazing, dude. I love it. And that's one of the things we talked about with what was so cool about that record was how many people were able to collaborate with Robin Pecknold and the rest of the guys on this record, even opening it up to like, I think it was like, instagram followers or something like that or yeah yeah it was something like that yeah, yeah. but how cool really is that cool. dude yeah man one of those special moments that came out of 2020 for sure in the pandemic but yeah um i think the fleet foxes and and the members of the walkman uh kind of go way back kind of thing um they probably toured together i know the walkman opened for uh kings of leon at some point because I, I read that um, oh, that would have been a cool show. I haven't seen the Walkman live, so it wasn't one of the King Kings of Leon shows that I saw. And we saw like three of them. I feel like in our high right. school days, anytime right. they came through, we saw them. So yeah, that's that man. Good tunes, great tunes. Um, really, I, I think I think like like I've been saying, the Walkman sort of um, they're sort of in their on their own in their own building. You know what I mean? As far as I think their their body of work. You know what I mean? When you compare it to the Strokes or Interpol even for sure the rest of those bands to me kind of fizzled out right but i feel like up until their last record they just got better and better in my opinion the walkman yeah well i will say uh, the strokes made a comeback in my mind with the new abnormal well if the walkman ever put out a new record we'll see oh yeah but yeah that'd be awesome the strokes definitely turned it around um it took them long enough but they did <laughs> yeah and that's just coming from two you know very old uh, 
long, long-term Strokes fans. Um, right. But yeah, that was great, dude. Good tunage. You know who I want to do next? And I'm, I'm going to run this. I'm, I'm going to steer this boat. Okay. And I've been wanting to do this band since we started the show. Let's do some hives, dude. It's time for the hives. Interesting. Okay. You want to talk about a, a, just a fun band, man. Yeah. And the outfits they put, and he, he would, he clearly adopted the, the Jagger strut. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, man. Um, let's see. So the album I'm thinking of is called barely legal it came out in 97 i think wow for starters i'm gonna try that one out i might do what you did today and just kind of bounce around bounce around but yeah. the one of theirs the, the the album of theirs that i fell in love with was Tyran- Tyr- tyrannosaurus hives which came out in 2004 walk idiot walk yeah oh such a good song man that was another one of those just crazy fast paced like punk garage rock bands that came out of Actually, I think they're like Swedish or something. Oh, really? I don't. Th- I don't think they're from America. Anyways, <laughs> we'll get into that next week uh, as we continue on in the in this early two thousands garage rock train. And uh, so, you know, I was listening to music the whole time on the flight, five and a half hours to Hawaii, dude. And you know, I haven't talked about these AKG headphones in a while. But let me tell you, dude. I thought it was impressive when I've had a three hour flight earlier this year where my ear, you know, my ears were just, it was like I had cloudy pillows pressed up against them playing music for me. Same goes for this five and a half hour flight, dude. Just so comfy. That's saying something, dude, because I have a different pair of headphones, Q, and I wear these for maybe two or three hours at a time without taking them off like that's probably the longest i'll go without taking them off like during the day yeah and like yeah so at some point my ears start barking the only thing that was hurting uh around my ears was my mask yeah i wasn't you know can't take that off on the flight yeah yeah uh but yeah man these headphones are just something else in the in the comfort level they sound great they look dope uh and i'm talking of course about the akg podcaster essentials kit uh that they have graciously provided us with uh i've got their dope microphone that comes with the kit it's a usb mic it's a beaut sounds great that's why i'm coming in buttery smooth dude and you can buy these the microphone and the headphones separately uh i'm not going to give you too much more details you can find more info on it on the akg website we've decided that this is like if this kit was around in 2018 when we started this podcast, we both would have bought one without thinking twice about it. No doubt. Yeah. No it's doubt, a dude. great value, really great sound from the mic, super comfy, great sounding headphones. It's a no brainer. Oh, dude. And I, man, I almost left these headphones in Maui. Dude. Um, the, the, uh, TSA checkpoint guy must have like moved the head my headphones into another bin when he was when we were going through security because you know out of sight out of mind I grabbed everything out of the two bins that I ran through security and I wasn't thinking about the fact that my headphones weren't in the bin that I had them in originally so they were left like you so I so I moved forward dude and we we so we were doing some last minute like uh you know let's buy some souvenirs for you know, people that Sarah work with or whatever. So we were just walking around in an airport souvenir shop 
and through the through the PA they said uh if you left your headphones in security we'll hold on to them for you. Dude. Luckily I was listening dude because I wasn't even thinking about it cuz I hmm. I put the headphones around my neck. Yeah. And they're just chilling there, you know. Um and dude, I cannot even begin to describe how upset I would have been if I left those headphones in Maui, man. So I just booked it back to the security dude and dude luckily they held it for me man i would have been devastated dude that's yeah that's super fortunate yeah the for one that i could hear the the announcement too, yeah i was paying right. attention right and you guys were still there yeah and we were still there because we, we i always go to the airport with at least an hour to spare dude i'm just that kind of person yeah me too uh so yeah we we were we were you know just taking our time yeah. Anyways, Damn, that dude. is again AKG Podcaster Essentials Kit. Give it a look see if you're thinking about jumping on the podcast train. You know, it's a, it's a it's a no brainer. Do it. Uh, so that's it, huh? That's wrap it. this puppy up, dude. When are we gonna do another What You Heard episode? Uh, after the hives, and okay. then after that, the Kings of Convenience newest record should be out. Oh, yeah, so we could dude. pause on the garage stuff, talk about the latest Kings of Convenience, and then come back and do the clientele. Nice. Dude, that sounds perfect. Yeah. Sweet. So we got the roadmap through the rest of this month and into July, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That should take us to July. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, you can find us on Twitter if you want to shout out at us or tweet us or whatever. Mention <laughs> us. Hashtag us. At No Filler Podcast is our handle. Um, tell us what you want us to talk about. If you're a big fan of, of this era of rock and roll, tell us what band you want us to talk about. Yeah, and uh, if you are familiar with our What You Heard episodes, it's our monthly mixtape where we each bring five songs to the table, just songs we've been listening to in between recordings. We do one a month, and uh, I'm going to give them a sh- proper shout-out on the upcoming episode, but... We've got a listener that shared a couple albums with us that they really enjoy. And yeah, I'm going to play one of them for one of the songs uh, from one of these albums as an outro on our next What You Heard. So if you have a song or an album that you really dig that you've been listening to lately, send us, uh, you can email us, you can tweet us. Just be like, hey, give this song a listen. I think you'll dig it. And if we do, we'll play it on our What You Heard episode. It's that simple. It is that simple. And yeah, we're also part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. That's pantheonpodcast.com. And uh, like you, like you were talking about earlier, we would like to thank AKG for sponsoring the show and the network. And we're going to close with a really um, pretty random, very obscure. I would probably say if you caught Spoon on this tour, that's the only time. I think it was the Kill the Moonlight tour, dude. Oh, man. I think it was Kill the Moonlight. Those are the days. But um, I can't imagine too many people familiar with this record. This was a band that opened for the opener of Spoon on a tour that we saw. But, yeah, just another example of of a band from that era making that sound. You know what I mean? Hey, they still got their MySpace page going, dude. Do they? Yeah. God, that's... Yeah, that's probably when they stopped. Like, yeah, they stopped probably, you know, they didn't have to worry about Instagram. You know, because they were dead by then. It's all gone, dude. I don't think any of these photos still work. MySpace is a is a goddamn wasteland. Yeah, dude. why don't they just 
kill that just, site. For just real. kill it, man. Just kill There's it. There's got to be somebody's making money off of it. Otherwise, yeah. it would have been dead. Anyway, anyway. So this is a band called This Microwave World. Another, I mean, very obscure but really great. They had some uh, cool song. They, they they put on a good show. I yeah, they were awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. Another another um, garage rock band from that era. They were out of Austin, Texas. I didn't know that. Yeah, dude. That's why they opened for That's Spin, what, yeah. probably, dude. Okay. I mentioned that earlier, brother. Uh, yeah, and we're going to fade out with a song of theirs called, what was it called? The Party Line. Yeah, The Party Line. All right, and that's going to do it for us today. We will shout at you all next week. Thank you, as always, for listening. My name is Quentin. My name is Travis. Y'all take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.